HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com, bringing you the freshest radio in Brooklyn since 2009. Hear directly from chefs to farmers, artists to architects, authors to brewers, and everyone in between. Check out all of our shows on our website or by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes store. On behalf of everybody at HeritageRadioNetwork.com, we'd like to send a special thank you to the Hearst Ranch, our biggest supporter and longest-running sponsor since we first started in 2009. Hearst Ranch is the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. Since 1865, the Hearst family has raised cattle on the rich, sustainable native grasslands of the Central California coast. The result is beef with extraordinary flavor that's as memorable and natural as the surrounding landscape. For more information, visit www.hearstranch.com. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin. This is another episode of Greenhorns Radio brought to you by and for the young farming community, topics related to being a young farmer. And I'm very happy to be joined on the phone today by Matt Voltz up in up, real upstate New York, as they say, Casanova, New York. Are you on the line? Yep, I'm right here, Severin. How are you? How are you? Nice to hear your voice. You Tell too. us what the weather's like up there, right here where I am. It's pretty amazing. It's actually beautiful right here. We've got a really sunny day and uh, perfect summer weather. Sunny, probably low 80s, a nice breeze, so pretty good weather here. Pretty good weather and not not so uh, not so muggy as it has been in the past. Uh, tell no, us a little mm-hmm. bit about your about your operation that you have, and this is the first year of of Gray Rock Farm, is it not? Yeah, I moved here to Casanova, which is right outside of Syracuse, in August of 2010, and so just just about a year ago, and started getting set up for the CSA, which is our main business. Um, we do a diversified year-round CSA, and uh, that includes grass-fed beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, eggs, raw milk, and then seasonal vegetables. Um, and we just started with the CSA in June, so our, our members started picking up food for the first time in June, so we're really brand new with the CSA, uh, but so far it's been going really, really well. So you've basically just been twiddling your thumbs. I mean, it's a pretty unambitious farm plan you've described there. 
Kind yeah, of I wanted to take it easy on myself for the first year, so that's why I didn't take on too much stuff. No, I worked um, at Essex Farm for uh, several years, and I'm sure a lot of people know of Essex Farm now. Um, but I started working with them when they were just getting started, really, it was after their first year, and loved the farm, loved their model, and uh, I grew up in, in this area where I am now, in Syracuse, and so I've always wanted to be back here. So I kind of put that farm, which I love, together with this area, which is where I've always wanted to be, and um, wound up with the farm where I am now. Holy moly. So now some people some people might be hiding in a corner uh, and didn't hear yet about Essex Farm. So I'd say it's worthwhile describing the, the, the mania and the vision of that <laughs> particular configuration of people over there. Sure, sure. Well, Essex Farm is owned and, and run by Mark and Kristen Kimball, who are a fantastic, fantastic uh, couple. And um, they are absolutely insane, and um, their farm is a reflection of, of their insanity, I guess. Um, so they started, I could be wrong about the year, but I think they started in maybe 2005, and... Uh, did a diversified CSA, and they were up in Essex, New York, which is right on Lake Champlain, uh, in the Champlain Valley there on the New York side. Um, and they did a small raw milk dairy. They were doing grass-fed beef, um, pastured pigs and chickens, meat birds, laying hens, um, and then also did vegetables. And if that wasn't enough, they were doing all of their vegetable work with horses and a lot of the on-farm stuff with horses, too. Um, so I got in touch with them because I was in school at Middlebury College in Vermont and wound up meeting them through a professor at Middlebury and uh, helped them out my junior and senior year at college. And then after I graduated, lived with them for about two years uh, and worked on their farm. And so it was really their model that diversified year-round CSA, um, working with horses that I just loved. And it's rare, you know, in the world of apprentices and in the world of young farmers for someone like you to go in, like, before you're done with college and then stay at, I mean, stay for four years. That's kind of, that's kind of unusual old school apprentice, longer term apprenticeship. Can you reflect on, on what that was like for you? Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, I don't know how many people do it that way. It was really just coincidence. Like I said, uh, a professor at Middlebury knew Mark and Kristen, and um, they were looking for some help just kind of on weekends and things like that. I think Mark had hurt his knee was what the original issue was. So I went over there and um, got along pretty well with Mark and Kristen, and so would just go over on weekends and breaks during uh, school. And at Middlebury, they've got a interesting, uh, kind of a different semester schedule. So you take classes in the fall, you take one class just in January, and then again a full semester in the spring. So I was able to spend my whole January term over there and got credit for it, actually. Um, and it was great. It was a really good way for me at the time to learn about all these different things that they were doing, because I had worked on a vegetable farm before that, um, but didn't have any experience with livestock. And so and no experience with dairy either. So it was a nice way to get introduced to the farm but not be full-time yet. You know, I could see things, but 
go back to school and have some time to digest all the crazy things I was seeing there. I think the first time I showed up, they were butchering a pig, and it was just totally different than anything I had ever seen before. Um, they have a particular so way of, you know, of butchering there. a pig. What's that? They have a particular way of 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 I mean, skinning a pig. You don't most people don't skin pigs like they do. They did they do it oh, like they, in the strips? Yeah, yeah. That's funny because I totally forgot that most people don't do it that way because that's the way I do it now. Um, yeah, where they will cut the hide into strips with a like a razor blade knife that has a hook on it, and uh, and then just peel the strips back, and it works really really well. Um, so in that sense, you were encountering the style of it and the spirit of Essex Farm and the mentality of a startup before you got involved in the daily grind of running a farm. Would yeah, you say? Would absolutely. you say? Would you say that there's? Well, what would you say about the mentality of starting a farm? Oh man, um, I'm sure there's all different kinds. I think Mark and Kristen, for example. Are, are very different people than I am. You know, we just, we get along great. We have very different personalities. And um, so I think they went into it really wanting to create a farm that was, um, that was right for them. And when I started it, my reasons for doing it were, I think, a little different. Mark is, Mark is a farmer. He loves to farm. I think he would be happy farming, you know, from 4 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night every day for the rest of his life. And um, so he started a farm, and he really loves to eat good food, and, and same thing with Kristen, so that's why I started farm. My mentality going into this was I wanted um, a place that would be uh, a good place where I could have good, um, meaningful work to do for me and my friends and family who I hope would come along with me, and some of them have. Um, and, yeah, my mentality was just it's going to be really hard. It's going to be tons of stuff. I'm going to have to figure all this stuff out. But... You know, I, I would figure it out. If things came up, I would just either learn and figure it out or I would perish. And so far, we're, I'm learning, I guess, fast enough to make things work. Okay, this is good. I like this. I want to hear more about this good place. You know, sure, like, sure. Um, I come from the world of urban planners, and they talk a lot about placemaking. And yep. so much of, of, of what I'm seeing in the world is terrifying and 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 so many of the places that are worth caring about are places that have been cared about by a lot of people for a long time. So defi- define your good place. What are the characteristics? Sure. Um, I think my ideal place, in the simplest terms possible, is a place where I can be happy. And for me to be happy, it takes my friends being happy there with me and my family being there happy with me. Um, place that's not not too crowded, but there's still a good community and a good social network, you know, around so that when you want people, they can be there. Um, and on a farm with animals, you know, I think your animals have to be happy and your vegetables have to be happy. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm actually in my room right now, looking out my back window to my field where I keep my livestock and. And it's uh, and we look pretty happy out there. Our pigs are in the shade right now, and they've got good food and uh, good water, and their cows are out there laying in the grass, and they look pretty darn happy. So um, I think that's a bit 
of that the place. Like it's it's coming together that place, but still, um, I have a lot of family and a lot of friends that are all over the place, and I'm trying to draw them in closer. But we'll we'll see if that happens over time. Well, what kind of trap are you setting? Is there cheese in the um, trap? Good food. <laughs> good food is definitely one. I think the way to I I've definitely heard people say the way to a person's heart is through their belly. So I'm working on that one. And uh, and then I'm trying to make enough money so I can actually pay some of my friends and family to come here. Um, that's two. And then three, I'm trying to, even on my worst days, just pretend that I'm the happiest person in the world. And I'm hoping that if I seem happy enough and, I'm, and if I am happy enough, that that's going to be enough to attract people here. I like this happy atmosphere th- theory of yours. <laughs> I, I, mean, oh, I was a philosophy major in college, so... That got me started thinking about, you know, the good life and the way I wanted to live and all that type of stuff. Um, and and the good life and the way that you wanted to live, how does that mesh with an existing farm that was designed for something completely different? Do you have to dismantle your infrastructure in order to make the happy place? Or um, how are you approaching no, I, that physical environment in your happy in your happy atmosphere? You know, I was really, really lucky to find this farm where I am right right now. Um, Kay Osborne is the woman who owns the property, who I lease from. Her family has owned this property since 1903, I think it was. And they had a dairy farm. Um, and I think they sold their cows in 89 or 87, somewhere in the late 80s. But they just took great care of this property. And you can see it in the buildings and in the pastures. It just everything they did a really great job of. And even after they sold their cows, they leased this property to a couple people. And they always took care of the buildings. The roofs are all in great shape. The foundations are in great shape. Um, they would always mow their pastures and stuff like that. So I think when I got here, um, there was definitely things I needed to change for my purposes. You know, they hadn't had pigs here before, um, and they weren't really set up for rotational grazing the way I wanted to do it. But um, but the buildings were in great shape, and, and the pastures were in great shape. And you could just tell that they had cared about it so much. So it was kind of that Disney World effect where you could tell they really cared, so you wanted to care about it even more. You know, they hadn't thrown trash around, so you didn't didn't want to throw a trash around. Um, wow, what a uh, lucky strike. Yeah, I, I say it to people all the time. My luck has been, my luck has always been pretty good, but I really, really lucked out finding Kay and finding this farm. Um, and also being in an area that could really support what I wanted to do because this style of CSA, um, it's more expensive because there's more included in it. You're, you're not just getting vegetables. You're also getting the meat and the raw milk and the eggs. Um, and in a lot of places, I think it would be really hard to pull it off. The fact that Mark and Kristen Kimball at Essex Farm have pulled it off in Essex, I think is amazing because it's just not a very densely populated area. And, uh, and they've just done an amazing job. I think if they were here, within two years, they'd probably be millionaires. <laughs> How long does it luck, take you? Luckily for Syracuse, they're not here. <laughs> <laughs> lucky, lucky for you, I'd say. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I'd take Mark and Christian here any day. That'd be great. Um, so your your game plan is to grow the operation up 
to what kind of membership and and like give us a sense of what the market is around there. I mean, I've been I've been on farm hunt world a lot, and so I've been looking at land and driving around up around in that area. And there's a lot of abandoned dairy farms, and just looking at the newspaper seems like we're going to have more abandoned dairy farms every day. Yeah. Uh, tell tell me what you see around there. Um, well, I'll be totally honest with you. I mean, I got here in August, and I've spent 99.9% of my time on the farm, so I, I don't <laughs> get out traveling around looking at other farms all that much. But I have met with a lot of other farmers that are still here, and I've actually met a few dairy farmers that are no longer um, farming. And uh, I don't know, the, the climate when I first, before I even moved here, I, I called a lot of farmers and called some uh restaurants and local food places that I'd heard about just to get a sense of the atmosphere. And everybody was kind of saying the same thing, that there's there's enough people to support it if you can get them into it. And people are starting to come around to the local food thing. But it's certainly not like Vermont, where I used to live, where you know everybody's actively searching for a CSA to join every spring. And people aren't actively trying to find the farm that has the best be for the raises heritage breed pigs. You know, it's not that atmosphere yet, but people are definitely coming around to it, and um, and there's a lot more people here because I'm right close to Syracuse, and the towns that are right around me are kind of the more uh, upscale suburbs, I guess, Syracuse. Um, so there's starting to be a fair number of farms that are popping up. There, there was some smaller CSAs that were doing vegetables right around who... Um, I think we're people that have been doing it for for a few years now, actually, um, but just doing it very small, maybe not a full-time job, just as a hobby outside of their, or another stream of income outside of their main job. But now there's definitely a few farms that are they're coming around that are doing bigger CSA operations or more diverse operations, and people are getting into it. And when I got here and started telling people about what I was planning to do, you know, I didn't know how people were going to take it. I didn't know if they were going to think I was crazy or if they were just going to not be interested. But we've had an amazing response. So I really think um, there there's space for a lot more farms, and the people are, are excited about it. So I can see a lot of these abandoned dairy farms. If things go if things go well and the young farmers are willing to, you know, take a risk and some of the older farmers are willing to take, take a risk on some of these Young whippersnappers, I could see a, rot, a lot of really cool farms popping up in this area doing some cool stuff. I like your, I like the idea. I like the idea of that a lot. And um, yeah, I would, want, I want to know to what that. your time frame is. How long is it going to take before all these farms start popping up? Yeah, within the decade. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, there's, uh, there was a dinner the other night at a restaurant in Syracuse called Empire Brewery, mm-hmm. and they're a local food restaurant, great people um, that own it and run it, and they did this dinner that was highlighting local food, and they had all these little stations set up with food from local farms, and it, it would tell you who the food was from and, and blah, 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 and it was great, and it was a really young crowd. There was a few farmers there that were you know, over 40 or 50, but it was a really young crowd. So 
I really think that if we if these young farmers can get matched up with some of the older farmers or some of the um, landowners that uh, like Kay, who I met, they can just get matched up with the right person. I really think it could happen really quickly. I met Kay last spring, not just over a year ago, and already we're you know in production with vegetables. We've got a beef cattle herd, we've got pigs and chickens, so it doesn't take long once you get the right match and if you're just willing to you know put yourself out there and risk it a little bit. It doesn't take long. Wow, I don't even I don't even know what to say. It's thrilling. Um I like I like um I like the vision you have for up up in your region and I think you're likely to um be able to recruit other people with an attitude like that. I remember there was some kind of a recruitment thing that was going on with you. Do you wanna do you wanna mention that now? Sure, sure. Yeah, we're because we've had such a great response um, to the CSA and the raw milk and the other products we're offering. Um, we're at a point now where I'd like to start growing, which means we need some more help from people. So um, I'm now actively looking for a livestock manager and a vegetable manager to come in and take on some responsibility here uh, and manage you know, different areas of the farm, but also be involved with the dairy and everything else that goes on here at the farm. Uh, so if anybody's interested, they can call me. I'm guessing my contact information is probably on your website, the Green Orange. It is, Gray Rock Farms, DSA, horse-powered. Are you totally horse-powered? You must have a tractor up in there somewhere. No, we, we do have a tractor, yeah. So we our vegetables are totally horse-powered. I hired somebody initially last fall to plow, and since then it's been all done with the horses. So we've done all the plowing and harrowing and cultivating, and actually I'm in the middle of opening up a new two-and-a-half-acre field for uh, for vegetables for next year also. Wow, fresh sod under the blade. Yeah, it's pretty pretty fun on most days. can be a little frustrating on other days. Well, this is the weather for it. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, so this has all been very wonderful, and I um, this is all the time we have. So I want to thank you so much. I want to make sure everyone who's listening knows they can find out much more about Matt's farm at grayrockcsa.com or dot .wordpress. Grayrock Farm. Grayrock Farm. Sorry, Grayrock Farm. Sorry, you say it. <laughs> okay. It's... Uh www.grayrockfarmcsa.com. That's what I said. Okay, well, anyway. I said Gray Rock CSA. Oh, I did. Okay, my apologies. We're probably both said it wrong. Nobody's going to get there. It's fine. Yes, everyone's going to get there. We're all going to get there. I want to get there. And I want everyone who's listening who lives in anywhere near the big city to know that we're screening our movie, Greenhorns. You may have heard about it but not seen it. It's a documentary about young farmers. We're screening it on the 24th of July in Brooklyn. It's a bell house. We have other screenings up around in the countryside and big events coming up in August and September for young farmers, uh, notably a big, big dinner in Union Square with uh, Trade School and Our Goods. That's a completely bartered dinner. So please do be on the schedule page and, and keep an eye on the alert so that when the spontaneous circus of young farmer posse shows up in your town, you don't miss it. And then email me how sad you were because that won't help. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, Matt. I look forward to seeing you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone. All the best. 
This is Behind the Scenes Food News with Katie Kiefer. AMP goes local. The Great Atlantic and Pacific Tea Company, commonly known as the AMP, that grocery chain you've seen all your life, has glommed onto the concept of local and sustainable and has just introduced a new consortium of producers known as the Mid-Atlantic Country Farms, from which they will source beef and poultry. The animals are antibiotic and hormone-free, raised on vegetarian feed. There is no mention of certified humane or animal welfare-approved status, however, Maybe they haven't gotten that far in the marketing department. But what makes this of interest is that AMP supplies all AMP supermarkets, Pathmark, Food Emporium, Waldbaums, and Super Fresh. These are not particularly high end supermarkets, so this is good news for the average consumer. If you want to read more about this, you can go to the AMP website, which is www.apt.com slash pressroom. This has been behind the scenes food news with Katie Kiefer. July 23rd, Bushwick Block Party. Block Party. It's a party in the street. Free pizza by Roberta. Death Killer Death Wrestling. Featuring the legendary Mad Dog Tosto. Photo booth by Ryan Slack. Waterworld. Closed by Chimeradactyl. Mary Meyer. Warren Bogart. Death Killer Asphalt Resistant Jeans. All types of food for your face. Sweet soda by PA, Roberta's Bake Sale. Heritage Food USA. Orangini Eating Contest by the Orangini Brothers. Live music by Alex Trujan. Florida Paper Twin. Gang Sign. The Netherlands. Team Robespierre. Wild Yak. MC Todd and Bo Breezy. Night Show. Yeah, yeah. Sponsored by. Martin Greenfield Clothers, Green Fitness Studio, Heritage Radio Network, Free Williamsburg, Six Point Beer, Momo Sushi Shack, Beer Box USA, Planet of the Fates, Bushwick Block Party. It's a party in the street all day long. Finger on the Pole and City Winery are proud to present the Summer Barbecue Blowout Festival, August 6th from noon to 4 p.m. The barbecue is happening at City Winery, located at 155 Varick Street in New York City. Restaurants featured at this event are Empire Mayonnaise, Van Dag, Momofuku Mopar, Imperial Number no. 9, Myland, Mexicu, Kraft, Dizzy's Club, Coca-Cola, The Meatball Shop, and Dos Toros. Providing the soundtrack for the day are Midnight Magic, Pewter Magic, New Villager, Punches, Ducky, DJ Autobot, and the Snacky Tune DJ. VIP and general admission tickets are available at citywinery.com. Finger on the pole for City Winery would like to thank our sponsors. Heritage Foods USA, New York Magazine, Rake of Vodka, Sonar, Smile, Guilt City, Sub-Zero and Wolf. Please come out and join us for a day of fun, food, and dancing. For more information, go to www.fotpnyc.com.